You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. Allison. Yes. It's good to see you. Yeah, somebody else was warm in my seat last week. <laughs> is it still warm a week later? It is. It's the wool. All that wool. Mm-hmm. Allison. Yeah. We still have bandanas. That's convenient. I think there might be five right now. So there's not a ton of them, but we do still have bandanas. So if you're looking for Strange Familiars bandanas, they're in the Etsy shop. I'll put a link in the show notes. On tonight's show, I'm going to be talking to Keith about some haunted real estate. It's a really interesting show. So does he go into the fact that, like, do you have to reveal in a real estate listing whether your house is haunted or some horrific thing has happened there? Yeah. I mean, at least in California, you do, where he is. I think this is pretty much everywhere now. You pretty much have to disclose. He explains how it works in the course of the interview. And I know that sounds maybe a little dry, but trust me, these stories are really good. He's got some actual stories Mm -hmm. about some properties that he had to deal with. And then he gets into some of his own stories, which are pretty interesting, too. Like this story while he's hunting and stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the real estate. It was Mm -hmm. just at the end of the conversation. He's like, oh, I had this other thing happen. So the protocol is not to just put some sage in a cupboard with a note that says good luck in the house (laughs) yeah like due diligence done the way he explained it is if it goes to court Mm -hmm. the people don't have to prove that the house is haunted Mm -hmm. the way he explained it is 
However, if you were out one day and your neighbor and you were talking to your neighbor and you're like, oh, our house is so haunted. Mm-hmm. And you sold them that house. Mm-hmm. And then they feel like it's haunted and you didn't disclose that. Then you don't have to prove that it's haunted. You know what I mean? All you have to do is prove that you felt it was haunted and you sold it to them and you didn't disclose that. Oh, so if you don't feel it's haunted or you, you don't, don't disclose feel, it to anybody. If you don't feel it's haunted. I feel like this is difficult to prove. <laughs> That would be difficult to prove, I guess. So it's, but, you're basically. But if you're na- if you were talking to your neighbor and that guy was like, "Yeah, he said his house was haunted all the time," then they have a case, right? Oh, if they reveal that to the other people, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So getting good with the neighbors is what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I am saying? What? I love our patrons. Oh, I love our patrons too. We could not make the show without them. We need their help to make it, and they come through. They come through. If you like what we do, if you like Strange Familiars and you want to get extra content, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There's different levels of support there, but no matter which tier you choose, all of our patrons get full extra episodes of Strange Familiars every month, as well as commercial-free versions of the weekly episodes. Again, it's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Or if you're on Apple Podcast, you can subscribe there. I believe it's called Patron of the Strange there. If you're on Apple Podcasts, by the way, I've added more patron shows. When I added the patron show last week, The Wild Man of Pennsylvania Part 2, when I added that, I also added a bunch of other older patron shows. I'm going to keep at it. Eventually, all of the shows that are on Patreon will be on the Apple Podcast subscription as well. It takes a very long time to add them there. I don't know why it takes so long. It's just the way Apple is. I don't know why that is. It takes me a minute to load one on Patreon. It takes like 25, 30 minutes to load one on Apple. Don't know the difference. But in any case, I'm doing my best. I'll get them up there as soon as I can. It goes back to, I think, 2021 now, the painter shows that are on Apple. I'll keep at them eventually. They'll all be up there. So thank you, whether you're a patron on Patreon or via Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. It helps support us. It helps us make strange familiars. All right, let's go ahead and get to haunted real estate. Tonight I'm talking with Keith. How are you doing tonight, Keith? I'm doing great. Thanks, Tim. Oh, thanks for coming on Strange Familiars. You have kind of a unique take that we haven't had before. You deal in real estate and you dealt with some, sounds like some strange properties along the way. Yeah. So I've been in it well over 20 years in the real estate business here in Southern California. And originally what had happened was I went to, we have what's called real estate disclosures. So Mm -hmm. the days of buyer beware, like I, you know, in the late seventies, you get a contract when you bought a house and it literally said buyer beware. But in California and maybe other parts of the country, that's over. Mm -hmm. You have an obligation as a seller to tell buyers everything. And through litigation over the past probably 30 years, it's getting to the point where people are, are going to tell people everything, even if they don't believe it. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe at one time, probably before I got in the business, if you told someone, hey, I'm selling you a haunted house, they would laugh at you. Or if a realtor told someone, 
hey, you should tell them your house is haunted. They'd go, they won't believe me. That's crazy. Right. But now it's like better to be safe than sorry. Mm-hmm. So I, I keep coming across these funny circumstances that relates to disclosures. And it's kind of opened the dialogue. You know, I haven't personally had too many crazy paranormal experiences that relates to real estate, but I've had stuff run up against me that I, I think is interesting, super interesting. That's why I called you. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'll tell you when, and this is it's well over 20 years ago, like I went to this gentleman who is an attorney. He's famous. You can look him up. I think his name is Robert Brand. I just went to one of his seminars and he writes all the disclosures for these troubled houses. He's an attorney and he was doing a presentation on why you should disclose and not worry about it. And like he did the Heaven's Gate. You remember that, that horrible situation where the people all murdered themselves because oh, yeah, they thought yeah. they were going on. He wrote the disclosure on like the O.J. Simpson Bundy house. And you can imagine buying that house after all the people driving by and knowing where it was. But he wrote the disclosure on the Brady Bunch house. You remember the opening scene in the Brady Bunch mm-hmm. where they would have that house on the hill? And he actually told me that he went to the house three times and there wasn't one time when he was there where someone didn't knock on the door. Oh, wow. So that's like, that's like something that someone buying the house would want to know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. Is you'll never have any peace. There's yeah. always going to be some Brady Bunch fan knocking on your door seeing if the Brady's are there. Oh, wow. So this guy was just kind of reiterating, hey, we're in a new time and this is 20 something years ago. You've got to disclose to buyers. They have an obligation to know anything you would like to know if you're buying the house. Mm-hmm. And if, if you approach it like that, it adds, you know, all of a sudden it creates fertile ground for, hey, it's haunted or fertile ground for, you know, my father had a violent death here. So it, it kind of opened things up where I heard stuff. And one of the, well, I thought this was kind of funny or maybe not funny. It depends on your perspective. I remember going to an attorney who I was friends with who ran a bunch of prudential offices, which are now Berkshire Hathaway's. And this guy's passed, but his name was Murray. And I was telling him about the seminar I went to. And he goes, oh, I see all the problem houses. You know, we've got 20 or 19 offices all over Los Angeles. And he's like, one time we asked the guy to disclose things to us. And he said, hey, I poured concrete in between the drywall and the wood framing on this entire house. (laughs) And I covered the ceiling behind the drywall, you know, in the attic with sheet metal. And they're like, well, why did you do that? Like you destroyed your house. He goes, well, I have to disclose it to the buyer because aliens are abducting me. And I, I don't want to make light of this. Maybe they were or whatever, but this guy was serious. Like he had yeah. completely destroyed his house because he had this trauma. Wow. And, I would uh, love to I, interview I, that guy. I really would. I, well, this is, this is 20 something years ago, Tim. Yeah, this, yeah. And Murray was probably talking about something from the 80s. Right, right. And yeah, yeah. Murray was a hardcore guy. So he's like, I'm like, what did you do? I was a young guy. He's like, well, we sold the house. We, we marketed it as alien proof. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a buyer. <laughs> it's better wow. to be honest. No, no. I mean, my question to that guy would be like, did it work? Like, because a lot well, of times people. <laughs> that's a great question. Yeah. I, I couldn't talk to the guy. I was just talking to Murray. Right. Yeah, but exactly. Because yeah, a lot of times people <laughs> do this stuff and, and it just, it doesn't. It doesn't work. Well, maybe that's why he was moving. Yeah. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. That, that's that interesting. Was, that's my only sort of alien connection story I'd mentioned that there mm-hmm. was one, but that's it. You know, that sort of made me kind of lean in. I was young at the time, and it made me sort of lean into, hey, it's better to be safe than sorry. You know, just interview people and ask people. And the whole story about him selling it to aliens gave me a lot of uh, people who wanted an alien-proof house gave me some reassurance that like, hey, it's better to be honest. Mm-hmm. 
you know, somebody might want that kind of house. You know, somebody may want a haunted house. It's better to just be honest. Right. And tell people what's happening from your viewpoint. If they want to laugh you off, then, then it is a case of buyer beware. Mm-hmm. So I'll get into some of the things that happened later. That was in like, you know, 2005, 2006. And then the market kind of went down. And then we really started selling a lot of houses. Actually, I have a brokerage. And the first sort of interesting thing that, that happened to me was Family Trust came to me and they said, hey, and I mentioned to you, these are newer homes. These aren't ancient homes. This mm-hmm. is like, these homes were built after 1995, which is kind of strange. But a woman came to me and she said, hey, our family owns a home and we're not far from the beach. So th- this sort of made sense. My family owns a home and we kind of share it. We kind of use it together and we've decided the trust wants to sell it. But no one's been there for a little while and you need to go check it out. So I went down there and it was full of stuff. It's like clearly people had been coming and going or living there. I mean, it had tons of personal property. And I gave her my little punch list of what we need to do. And then I started doing it because they wanted to get the house ready. So that's like painting, cleaning, you know, plumbing, just everything, a house that hasn't been used well. You're getting ready to take to market. And my general work crew. So we do our open houses. We get the thing into escrow and it kind of falls out and they decide. And escrow is like the closing. In California, that's what we call it. Mm-hmm. It's like the process of working out the paperwork. So we get to, we're about to do it, and something goes south with the buyer, and we decide we're going to rent the place. So as we're getting ready to rent the place, my, it sort of times where my, my contractor starts showing up to get their payments for the work that had been done. And simultaneously, I'm working out the lease with the owner. Anyway, the first contractor comes in, and he's like, and a lot of these gentlemen are Hispanic, and my Spanish is proficient, but I'm not fluent at all. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of telling me, a, guy, a guy's pushing us in the house. He's pushing us. And I'm thinking, well, we get him out of there. Like, why does that bother you? You know, tell the guy to leave. It's not his house. And he's like, no, you don't understand. He's pushing us. It's a guy that lives there. I'm like, okay, well, no one lives there. And then I get to a point where I realize he's saying a ghost is pushing him. There's a guy in the house that's a ghost. Ah. Yeah, I know. And so I go, okay. And I, these are the friends of mine through work. And okay, yes, I pay them. And I'm kind of like grain of salt. And I think about it for a minute. And then I call my plumber, who's he's been through the wars. This guy's been a plumber forever. He's a great guy. I've known him for over 20 years. And I call him and I go, hey, John, anything weird ever happened when you're at that house? Because you replaced the water heater. He goes, what do you mean? I go, well, like, I think strange. And he goes, you mean like haunted sh-? I go, uh-huh. yeah. And he goes, yeah, I got like three stories for you. The first story for, was from, wait, 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 from the same house, same house. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. Same house. So the, the first thing was he filled up the water heater. He replaced the water heater. The house was, no one was there. It was vacant. Replaced the water. This is all happening at the same time, by the way. Sorry if it's confusing. Mm-hmm. He, the, the contractors are there painting these other gentlemen. He's there doing plumbing. Mm-hmm. He said he replaced the water heater. And he had the garage door shut, water heaters in California in the garage. And he left, locked up the house, walked out, and water was gushing out into the street. <laughs> and he, he was like, that doesn't make sense. And he walked back in and the spigot had been turned off, uh, had been opened on the water heater, which it doesn't make sense. I mean, if, if a thing was plumbed in, it was all sealed up and he's standing there. If that spigot had been open, it would have been dumping on his feet. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't make sense. And then he said there was walls that were that were banging in when he was there. And it didn't make sense because the walls didn't have plumbing or electrical, those walls. He, he's a general contractor, too. Mm-hmm. 
and he kind of laughed it off. It, it didn't bother him. I guess he's been in enough houses that were haunted. It d- didn't bother him. He just kind of was doing his business and leaving. And then so I called one of my realtors that works for me who sat the open house. And I was like, hey, now I'm like a fact-finding machine. And I go, hey, did anything weird happen when you were there? He goes, like, what? I go, like, at the open house. He goes, uh, no. Well, actually, yeah. He said a woman walked in with her boyfriend. She got halfway up the stairs. She put her hands up and she goes, nope, nope. Turned around and walked out. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's like, she didn't say anything. It was just very weird. It was like she got a bad feeling. So I thought that was interesting. Mm. So this is happening literally the same day I have a family that's going to lease the house. So I call the trustee and I ask her, I go, hey, is anything weird ever happened in that house? And she goes, no. I go, nothing like strange, nothing like noises, nothing. And she kind of goes, like, what do you mean? I go, well, well, haunted. Is anything haunted ever happened? She goes, No. And there was a long, quiet pause. And I said, has anyone ever died in the house? And she goes, my brother. Mm-hmm. I go, how long ago was that? She goes, about five years ago. But we don't have to tell people that. That's outside of California disclosure. And I go, well, yeah, it's outside the disclosure. But I don't know. It seems like maybe they'd want to know that. And then she kind of hemmed and hawed and was a little, basically said, this is bullshit. This is nonsense. There's no such thing as ghosts. And I, I'm like, hey, I'm, I work for you. I, I understand. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I'm don't. I not trying to tell you there's anything that's ghosts, but it's weird that all these people are saying this. And I asked you if someone died there, and you said your brother, which means the description of the guy pushing people in the hallways. And she said, my brother's a sweetheart. He, he would never do that. He'd never bother anyone, even if, you know, but I don't believe in ghosts. And I said, okay. But you know, a child is going to be living in this house. I said, the family that's, that's renting it has a small child. And she paused and she said, if they say anything, let them out of the lease. And I thought, well, either you believe in ghosts or, you know, that's a weird answer. But mm-hmm. anyway, we were super attentive. The follow-up is this, is literally they moved in. And I think maybe eight days later, I got a call from the tenant and said, every light bulb in the house popped. <sighs> and I called my electrical company. And they're like, no, there's nothing. If it was some sort of surgery, it would have hit all the, because these are kind of condos. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have hit all the condos in that block. Like, that doesn't make sense. So I replaced all the light bulbs. I never heard anything about it since. They've been tenants forever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a kind of a weird circumstance. Yeah. Now, l- let me just step back a, a, a little bit here. Did you say whoever those contractors said were pushing them met the description of her brother? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The age and everything. They said it's a, it's a dude. He's like 50 years old, walks by us. We follow him into the back bedroom and he disappears. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was like a, a language barrier because the gentleman speak English well and I proficient in Spanish. It was more like I was confused. And yeah. they were talking to me as if I'm completely, I've bought into ghosts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so there was like a moment where I'm like, hey, it's the neighbor, get him out of there. And they're like, no, no, it's the, it's the homeowner. Well, it's not the homeowner. I talked to the homeowners. Hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of a weird, wow. our lines were crossed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that, like I said, that's a weird thing to me because it's a newer house, you know. Yeah, it, but like, you know, like I was saying before we hit record, a lot of the stories we get are from newer houses. Some of them are from brand new houses. So I, I don't know what that means. You know, I just, my gut tells me that, you know, maybe that's not always the spirit of a dead person that's haunting. Maybe it's the spirit of something else that's haunting yeah. the houses, but I can't say for sure, you know. And another thing that sort of happened with me, 
I'm not uncomfortable talking about the stuff. If someone tells me, oh, this is nonsense, it doesn't really hurt my ego. I, I don't care. I still right. have to talk to people all day long. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me. Most of the time, it's fun talking about it. I'm sensitive to people that actually have to deal with this stuff. But like I was telling you in the beginning, I don't. I haven't really had too many first-hand accounts with this. But I did meet a woman who I would consider a very good friend. They were moving down here from northern the Northwest. It was either Seattle or Washington. Mm-hmm. And they reached out to my brokerage and they, they said, hey, we're coming in on this date. We're going to be staying, you know, in uh, Orange County by the beach. And we're going to, we'd like to go look at properties for the day. And so I drove them all over that day, looking at places, kind of really not just showing them the area. You know, this is a good area. This is a bad area. Just kind of that surface level stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten very accustomed to this, but, you know, as a salesperson, I, it's my job to make people comfortable. And it's really common by the end of the day for people to be very comfortable with me after spending five, six hours with me. To the point where the next day, it's almost like they're embarrassed to see me. Like, oh, man, we talk, you know, we talked to that guy in the evening and now we, you know, I can't believe we said that to him. We, we didn't even know him. Right, right. So this woman, we were driving and we were talking about a certain neighborhood that I had mentioned to you earlier. And I said, well, I think that neighborhood's jinxed. And I said, there was a gentleman, you know, I consider a friend who um, had a tragedy with his family member in that neighborhood and I wouldn't buy in there. And she blurted out, it was her time to me from the back seat, like really forceful. Wow. And I said, well, that's what they say, you know, because you hear that it was their time, people trying to comfort you. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's what they say. And then her response was really firm. No, I'm telling you it was her time. And Mm -hmm. I go, okay, all right, you know, I'm moving on. And the day went on. So then the next day, and like I was telling you before, this happens all the time, people will kind of start the day off with, uh, it's like they want to clear the air because they were too forward or they were too familiar, you know what I mean, the day before. Yeah, yeah. And she said, I just want to, now we're in a new house. We're like by the beach looking at a house. We're in the living room. She goes, I just want to say, I'm like, I'm sorry how forceful I was with you. She goes, I have people come through to me and sometimes they tell me things. And I go, like ghosts, like the sixth sense? She goes, yeah, it's happened to me my whole life. Hmm. And when you were talking about your friend's circumstance, someone came through and told me it was her time. They wanted to ease your concern about it and mm-hmm. just make it clear it was her time. And she goes, and normally I wouldn't say anything. She goes, but the problem is when I don't say anything and these messages are given to me, what happens is I get haunted. You know, they will stay with me. And she told me a circumstance where she was at like a Barnes and Noble and like she's sitting there with the woman checking her out. And the mom came through and wanted her to deliver a message to her daughter. And she's like, I'm not going to do that. It's going to wreck this woman Mm -hmm. at the cash register for a stranger to start talking about her dead mom. And she said the woman followed her forever and kind of haunted her because she wouldn't deliver the message. And I'm kind of being lighthearted. She's telling me the story. And I I go, but you have children. Do, Do your children have this gift or this burden? She goes, my daughter doesn't, but my son does. Hmm. He's, he's at the hotel right now. And she goes, I have kind of a woman that's been with us for a couple of weeks. It's real. She's from New Jersey and she's kind of pushy. So I brought her with us today because I don't want to leave her at the hotel with my son. <laughs> and I go, so she's with us right now. It's like, yeah, I'm all, what does she think of the furniture in this house? It's just like, she hates it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm sure for you, this isn't new, but it, it, this, her husband's like a Navy fighter pilot, like Top Gun and 
she's very accomplished. They're, they're not strange at all. You know, Mm -hmm. they're like, this is not, I had no reason to doubt her when she was telling me any of this. Mm -hmm. So it it was a very interesting and we're still friends. I've sold them a few houses. I still reach out to her every once in a while when I find something I think is kind of weird. And she's still the same person, but the whole thing is very strange. Yeah, it's frightening to me to think someone is just being followed around by people or being reached out to by people. Mm-hmm. Now, when she had that message come through, at least afterward, when she explained it, did you take some consolation from that? Or was it just kind of, I don't know what to do with this information? Well, I'm not the one who needed the consolation, you know, Mm -hmm. it was a friend of mine who had the tragedy, Mm -hmm. you know, I was worried about him and there was not a snowball's chance and whatever I was going to tell him that a client of mine wanted me to get a message through two people, you know, there's no way. Completely understandable. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I thought, well, I mean, that makes me feel better on some level about a tragedy, but if they're expecting me to get that to him, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, obviously, I've I've talked to people with with similar gifts, and sometimes you doubt it, but then I always go back to the point like, whatever's happening, they fully believe this, right? Like they're not lying to me; they fully believe whatever's happening is happening, and I give some measure of weight to that. Now, I might think, well, is it who they think it is coming through or whatever, you know? But the fact is, they fully believe this, you know? And I think there's something to that. And they're not crazy people. These aren't, like you said, these are, you know, people who live normal lives. Not even close to, I mean, not even close to crazy people. There's no, and she's super earnest and Mm -hmm. sweet and and bright and intelligent. And she had nothing to gain by telling that to me. Nothing. Only things to lose. Mm-hmm. And it's not like from then on that that was the basis of our relationship. It was a burden for her to share that with me. Mm-hmm. You know, it really was. Like it could have, we were having a good time talking and everything was going smooth. That could have damaged. We've ended up being friends and we've never even really talked about that type of thing much since. Our mm-hmm. friendship is based on something else. So, right. no, I think, it, I think it was a burden for her to do that. I just think she felt comfortable and she told me straight up, hey, if I, if I don't deliver these messages, it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's probably like, who cares what this realtor thinks of me? I need to get this off my chest. Well, hey. They're going to haunt me. Yeah. <laughs> so I do have one more story. By the way, this has all happened in the last like six years, seven years. It's not like these stories have, they seem to all, they've all been bunched up. And mm-hmm. I had a gentleman here in town that when I first started in the business, just the sweetest guy in the world, him and his wife. And he saw how hard I was working when I was trying to get started when I was real young and kind of started following my business along and was, I don't even know if the mentor's the right word, but an advocate certainly for me and a friend and would come visit me at the office. And it's kind of lonely in sales when you're, you're getting out. So I really appreciated our friendship and his wife was the best. They were just the greatest people. And she called me kind of like, I think it was June 2020. So it was kind of COVID. It was just, we were enthralled with it. And she said, he's passed away. Edmund's passed away. Mm. And I was really kind of heartbroken, but I understood why I didn't get to go visit the hospital or anything. Mm -hmm. And I also understood why she wouldn't even bring it up. And she said, well, you know, now I I need to move on. I need to get this house sold. And he would have wanted you to help me so, you know, let's get the process started. So we do the normal stuff. And I don't want to bore everyone with the whole process, but, you know, it's everything, especially with a widow, it's like getting the house cleaned, 
you know, just trying to inherit as much of her problem as possible sure. to make the process seamless. Yeah. And you know, maybe a lot of realtors don't do it, but I'm just like, view it like almost property management. I don't want her to worry about anything. And um, especially because she's a friend. So then I have a dream one night and this happened when my grandfather died. So there's room in my brain that this is not paranormal at all, Tim, like mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And he comes through and I, I have a, con- I mean, I miss the guy. So I have a conversation with him and he kind of says, I will want you to take care of her. Like do whatever you have to do to take care of her. So I wake up in the morning and I don't see it as a message from beyond. I really see it as my subconscious mm-hmm. just saying, you know, you owe this guy and this is your subconscious sort of having him visit you to remind you what you owe them. They were loyal to you and now I need your help. So I go to her house, like she's on my mind. And I go and I visit her and I'm talking to her. And she says, you know, Edmund visited me in a dream last night. Hmm. And, and he told me that I just needed to listen to you, that you were going to take care of me. Oh, wow. Wow. No, it, there's more. <laughs> there's more. Because as she's telling me this, I'm like, we both loved him, you know, differently. But like, I go, of course, he was, of course you're thinking that. You love God is your husband. Mm-hmm. and just sort of writing it off the same way. And I'm not, we're in the living room. We're in the foyer at this room and there's a knock on the door and it's a cleaning crew. And I say to her, I go, oh, I was going to call the cleaning crew. And she goes, I didn't call them. And this isn't her weekly made. I use like what are called um, clean and show crews mm-hmm. that I bring in that scrub super hard to get the house ready. And I've used the same company for years. In fact, he had used them a few times because he asked me for referrals. So they kind of knew them, but it wasn't weekly cleaning, okay, that they had them. And the door opens and it's these two Hispanic ladies and their English is not, they're not proficient in English at all. And they come through the door, but they kind of know her and they definitely know me. And the cleaning lady said, I was told to come here. He visited me in a dream and he said, you guys needed the house clean. Wow. Yeah. She almost had tears in her eyes. Wow. He was making the rounds, wasn't he? He made the rounds. Yeah. Now I was able to write off mine. I was able to write off hers, but I don't, I can't write off that one. That was the one where I'm like, what the hell? That is unreal. Wow. So yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. And, uh, that sort of, uh, yeah, it was unbelievable. We sat there for a while and I was, I asked her a ton of questions. She just said he came to me and said I needed to come to the house. So she showed up, and they're expensive cleaners, by the way. Like, their time is valuable. Mm-hmm. That woman, what, maybe she just had a dream. I don't know, but she felt compelled to drive over there mm. to visit a house where the person hadn't hired her and knock on the door. Wow. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> Those are my buyer beware stories. So on the, all of them, you know, we disclosed someone passed away in the home mm-hmm. on, on all of them to everyone. Like we're not hiding anything. I feel like the disclosure thing is super important. Sometimes I'll watch television shows or like I originally found out about you by listening to Sasquatch Chronicles. And mm-hmm. like, I always hear, I'll, I'll be listening and people say, well, I sold that house. Or, I got this house really cheap. Or, I got this land really cheap to hunt on. Mm-hmm. And, or we rented this house and, and I always think like these people just like they, they sold their house. They didn't tell the buyers. I heard yeah. one store and I just think that's, it's borderline criminal. Yeah. Cause yeah. there'll be people that want that. You know, if you have a Bigfoot or whatever in your backyard hassling you, I promise you, you can just market it as a Bigfoot house. 
Mm-hmm. And there'll be people that line up to buy it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you definitely. You don't have to give it to some people. You don't have to dump it on people. Right, right. You know, be, be honest. It, it's cruel, the thought of, you know. Yeah, I've often wondered, especially when, for. especially when you get those stories on Sasquatch Chronicles where people are like, oh, Bigfoot's been visiting my property for years and we've had problems and, you know, he's kidnapped our pets and bangs on the wall and wakes us up and everything. And then they're like, yeah, but we sold that property. I've often wondered, like, is there any way to do a follow-up with the other people? Like, So you, you've thought that, too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear that, and I'm always, like, frustrated. I'm like, okay, I'm glad your problems are gone. Yeah. But, like, you know, there's people that spend so much time looking for Bigfoot. Like, you could easily just offer that to them. Oh, yeah. yeah definitely. <laughs> Why are you pawning it off on other people? People yeah, exactly. pay a premium to have right, a Bigfoot right. haunted property. Right. It's the same thing with haunted houses. I think down in Louisiana, recently, I just saw a haunted house is being marketed like the most haunted house in America. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just have to, it's like, the, it's like the alien guy. You just have to turn it on its head. Mm-hmm. There's something for everyone. Just market to that person. Mm-hmm. Because there's not tons of alien proof houses on the market. That's all they have to choose from. They're going to pay a premium for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So in all your years of doing this, and you can give me a number or just a percentage, about how many haunted house disclosures have you had? To, you know, I just told them to you. I've okay, been so it's just that many years. in all yeah, the years. Yeah, yeah. I so mean, it's, it's not something it's super common rare. that happens. No, not in my experience. I mean, if I would say it's like maybe 1%. But, but all I will say, for the first 10 years of my career, maybe because the homes were newer here or whatever, it was very rare to sell a house where someone passed in the house. That was super rare. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like now it's almost every house. And that happened in my professional time. 
So maybe we'll see more. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, m- maybe it's just me where people open up and tell me, or I, maybe I ask questions. I don't know. But mm-hmm. like, um, it seems like we're getting more and more properties where people have died in, or at least they know they have. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The information's out there now too. In the, I mean, I always, I think of it in ways that research for us, if we're doing like historical research on a topic, it's so much easier for us now than it was even 20 years ago for people. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, there's people that they spend time taking pictures of grave sites and putting it on the internet. I mean, like Arkansas had a whole thing where they were just constantly taking pictures of every grave in the state going back mm-hmm. hundreds of years and posting it. And yeah, there's people that are putting microfish, small newspapers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the research you guys do. It's so fun to listen to old stories. It, it's crazy how people kind of think history started in 1950 or whatever, they, they don't even realize that sort of the same stuff has been happening oh, for yeah. hundreds of years. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> do you guys, do you go, are you on the microfish? Are you guys in there like going pre-computer? We have, if we need to, like for the Bigfoot books, I was doing that. Now there's so much, thankfully there's so much on online newspaper archives that I don't have to do that too much. But for the early, like my early historical Bigfoot books, I was going to historical societies and going through microfilm and stuff. I much prefer the uh, newspaper archives now. No, I know. I, I worked in the title company. and Like your heart, when I was first graduating from college, your heart would always drop when you, when you saw the date. You knew you had to go to the microfilm. Oh, yeah. Like you knew it was pre-computer. You're like, oh, man. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just so much nicer now, especially if they have a good search. Some of these archives have a really good search. Others, their search, not so much. So you still got to still, you know, go through paper by paper, basically. But it's better than the microfilm. One more thing on disclosures. and I'm sorry I don't have more personal firsthand accounts. I just, like I told you in the beginning, I, I'm not interested in bringing this stuff home with me sure. at all. Like your podcast is about all I want to hear. <laughs> I don't want anything to follow me back to my family. If you keep your eyes open, like people love Zillow, the real estate website, it's fun. You know, like I mentioned Arkansas, like I, you know, and I like to hunt. So I go and I'm always looking at property all over the country. Like this would be neat. And I saw in Arkansas down in the Ozark area, like Wachita kind of by that forest. I was just kind of browsing online and I saw a realtor had put in the description for a house that was for sale that it wasn't outright Bigfoot's on the property, but it said, you know, the land has bears, the land has uh, turkeys, the land has pigs for hunting and deer for hunting. And then below all the normal animals, it said in very large, interesting, bipedal, furry things. Wow. (laughs) In the realtor description. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. It was, and I'll tell you where it was. I don't think the house is still for sale. It's probably sold, but it was down by Beaver Lake. Near Eureka Springs. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> now I know what to look for when I start buying houses again. I don't know if well, Allison's going to be eyes open. Like, I'm telling you with the disclosures, because you've got nothing to gain. Like if you think about the downside of somebody saying, you didn't tell me about this. Mm-hmm. And it's not even, here's the thing about it. People think they could get sued. You can't get sued. Well, here's what would happen. If you were standing out front complaining to your neighbors, my house is haunted. And then someone bought it. And they said this house is haunted. They wouldn't have to go to court and prove the house was haunted to win a lawsuit. They'd simply have to prove that you thought it was haunted and didn't tell them. Ah, that's an interesting point. Yeah. It's a really important point. Yeah, yeah. Because the way disclosure works is you can't just say buyer beware. You have to tell them everything you think about the house. Right. So if someone is out complaining about it, like going on tax 
Chronicles and saying these Bigfoots are in the backyard. Here's footprints, and they're uploading it on the website. And then someone buys it, and they say, I'm suing you. And you go, well, I don't believe the Bigfoot. I was all nonsense. I was just making it up. It's like, well, you should have told me. Mm-hmm. It, like, I don't even have to prove Bigfoot exists. I'm just proving you neglected to tell me something yeah, that yeah. I should have known when I bought it. That's a great point. I think this is going to gain momentum, not because of paranormal stuff, but because of other things. You know, people unable to build a balcony, ocean views, stuff like that. And I think it will kind of cause us to see more and more dribble into the paranormal area. I, mm-hmm. I think you'll start seeing this Interesting. more and more as time goes on. Yeah. People don't want to get the lawsuit. Oh, yeah. It's better to be safe than sorry. Before I let you go, I've got a fun question that I'm, I'm trying to remember to ask everybody. So. Here's the new question I'm asking every guest that comes on. On the morning of April 18th, 1861, Joe Simonton saw a silver disc on his farm. He went out, investigated, and actually stepped aboard the craft. He encountered three dark-skinned humanoids who handed him an empty jug. Joe filled it with water and brought it back for them. In return, they gave him some pancakes. The question is, would you eat the pancakes? No, I uh, no. <laughs> that is my answer too. Unbelievably, there are a lot of people in the Strange Stories Discord who are like, I would absolutely eat the pancakes. I'm like, what? Would you eat anything that someone gave you that you didn't know? Yeah, that's the bigger question, maybe. You know, and then in, <laughs> in meeting someone in a very odd situation like that, I yeah, I don't think I would eat the pancakes at all. What part of 1861? It was 1961. 1961. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not eating anything from it. I worked at a restaurant. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> should be careful about what they eat. Trust me. Who knows what the cleaning uh, standards are aboard UFOs? I was going to call you years ago about my, my Ouija board thing. I just I thought about it a lot, and I just kind of don't remember it, other than it was traumatic as a kid. And I had like a summer in Alabama. I went and visited my cousin. And I don't like to talk about this with anyone. It was a girl cousin I'm very close to. And for whatever reason, like we got addicted to it. And I'm only bringing this up because I haven't been able to talk to this to anyone. And I wanted to get your take on it. But man, we spent that whole summer. We were addicted to it. And we made connection with spirits for sure. They predicted some stuff that ended up happening in my life. And there was some, just a lot of crazy things that happened and it, it kind of built to a crescendo where I was like scared. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of when I pushed it all aside. And have you talked to people before that have gotten locked in like that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing, like Ouija boards. I generally tell people don't mess with them, right? Yeah. No kidding. There's no <laughs> yeah. way. I would, can't believe Parker Brothers makes them. And, it, it, and it's not because, it's, criminal. Like, it's not because... Ouija boards are, there's a Ouija board in this house. There might be several. I, for a while, we were collecting old ones. I don't use them. There's nothing, like, the, it's not the board, right? You can have the board. The board isn't itself evil. Some people are like, I wouldn't even have one in my house. No, there's nothing evil about the Ouija board. What is happening is you don't know what you're talking to on the other side. And that's yep. the problem. It might be something that's honest, but lots of things are not honest that come through. And I've had too many stories of people with problems with it. And it often goes, like you said, people get results, they get predictions that come true, they get sort of addicted to it, for lack of a better word, and then it turns dark. At, and 
it gets really scary. There's no doubt about it that uh, addiction is the perfect word for it. Mm-hmm. it. It's not lack of a better word. I'm telling you, we were addicted. Like we would wake up in the morning and go to it. Like it, we were completely, and after when, when things got nuts and I told my cousin, I'm done, I'm not going near that thing. And when I say nuts, like I really felt like there was something in there that was trying to possess me. Like there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, based on what was happening to me and I'm just like, I'm out. I can't go near that thing. I don't even want to go over their house anymore. And a couple months later, one of my other cousins was like, she's back at it by herself. Ooh. And I remember being scared for her. And mm-hmm. so that's why addiction is the perfect word. Because yeah. like, I, clearly it was calling her back, you know? I didn't know you could do it alone. Sure, yeah. There's a certain feeling with the paranormal in general. I understand that addiction feeling. When we do these on-site shows and we get, you know, I always mention, like, we do a bunch. We, we probably do 10 for, and you hear one, right? So we're out 10 times before anything happens good enough to make a show out of it. But when you get that feeling of like something happening, it's such a powerful feeling and it can be very addictive. I have to be careful myself because I could, I mean, that's what the witch cloud was about. I felt like I was being led down a path that I didn't really want to go down. And yeah. it was only by, you know, whatever I call it, the Holy Spirit call it, whatever, that something struck me one day and I said, no, I don't want to do this. And the feeling of relief that came over me was so intense and so good and and palpable. And I just felt like a cloud lifted off of me that, you know, it's a very important thing. Like in general, I warn people, like if you can listen to strange familiars or Sasquatch Chronicles or any of these shows and not get yourself involved, if that's enough for you, if you can stop there, stop there. Because of that addictive feeling and because you can get lost in this stuff, I know there are some people it's never enough and they got to go out and experience the, in themselves. And I'm one of those people. I had to do it. But you got to be really careful about it and you got to be smart about it and you got to take breaks and not get obsessed. It's, yeah, that's interesting. It's funny you mentioned Sasquatch Chronicles. I, I told you I hunt. There, there are like places I don't even want to go hunt. Like I literally am like, I, there was a deer tag down in South Cleveland National Forest. I hunt in the Cleveland. And I'm like, I don't know. I've heard like encounters down there. I don't even go down there and deal with that. I have to hike in at four in the morning when it's dark. I do mm-hmm. not want to go in there and have to deal with some creature. I already have to deal with mountain lions. That's the last thing I want to deal with. It's like right. Bigfoot. Right. And chances I, are it would never happen. Right. But oh, great. I love that notion, but I'm yeah. already looking over my shoulder constantly. Exactly. One well, yeah. I mean, you have to worry about. Yeah. I was in the woods for however many years, 40 some plus years before I was ever attacked by a rabid animal. You were attacked by a rabid animal? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a whole saga. It was a, it was a rabid raccoon. I had to, my son saw it first. He was hiking ahead of me and I caught up to him. I mean, you could die of rabies. Like, isn't that like you're going to die if you get bit? Well, I didn't get bit. And I don't think I had it, but I had to get the shots because I was That's hiking terrifying. and shooting. Yeah. Yeah. I had to take this thing down with my walking stick. I told my son to run and I looked behind <laughs> and this thing's tearing after us. I was like, I'm not outrunning this thing. I got to put myself between and my son, you know? Yeah. So I put, and luckily I had a walking stick with me. I, I got it. I don't know whether this was luck or divine intervention or what, but I, as it was, it was running full speed at me. I thought I have one shot on this thing. Yeah. If I don't yeah. get it, I'm in a world of trouble. And I, I broke its neck with the, with the first shot. Now, nice job. 
there, there was a bunch of weird stuff that surrounded this, though. I mean, if you go back, I'm trying to remember the show. It's one of the shows I did with Clint from OK Talk, where I talk about it. There's a whole lot of weird synchronicities that surrounded this event that kind of knocked me on my butt for a while. Like I, I was, like I was honestly scared to hike for a while, especially in Hex Hollow where this happened. There was just so much weirdness that surrounded it that I was like, this seems like more than seemed like a message from the other. It didn't seem like a random thing. But in any case, even though I wasn't bitten, I broke its skin. And anytime you get that close to a rabbit animal, you have to get rabies shots. So Yeah, they check you in, huh? Yeah, I had to get the rabies shots. But because of my MS medicine, they didn't take, which they didn't account for that. And luckily, I didn't have rabies or I'd be dead now. But yeah, so it's it's a weird thing. And now I'm always very kind of like, oh, I really... There's a big question as to whether the rabies shots will actually work for me because of my MS meds and stuff. Yeah, because so, you've got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah suppressed my wife my, has rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's, it's also an autoimmune. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with the immune she system, she gets killed. Suppressed. I heard you the other day talking about the heat. She gets killed. We live at the beach. She gets killed by the heat. Oh yeah. Same yeah. thing. I always yeah. feel for you. I'm like, oh man. Yeah, it's it's rough. Brutal. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. If you if you go back and listen, I'll have I can send you the link to the raccoon episode. Oh, cool! Yeah. I had one more weird thing I want to just run by you. I oh, please okay. do. I know you're not a psychiatrist. <laughs> no, um, please do. And you mentioned it because you spend a lot of time in the woods. So the area I hunt, it's very weird. It's a national forest. There's 3.2 million people in Orange County, and it's like 28 square miles. We're packed in tight because mm-hmm. the land is so valuable and then at the back end of this have you ever been to like orange county newport beach no area? i've never been south of disneyland i've been i've never been south of san francisco a little bit south of san francisco i played some show in the desert down there a little bit south of san francisco but no and not much south, okay further south than well that. it's kind of a weird thing it's a weird thing it's like th- this mountain saddleback mountain it goes zero to forty eight hundred feet like freaking straight up and that's where i hunt it blows people's mind they they don't realize that like 500 feet above them, I'm up there hunting. Mm-hmm. But I like it because I can be home, and I it's really not the kill the animal, it's just getting out, you know, in the woods. Sure. But because I'm up there and I'm staring down at all these lights, I don't feel like I'm in the woods. Like probably you do when you go when you go to the Alleghenies or when you climb, you know, you're in the woods, woods. So I always feel like I'm just sort of at a park. Mm-hmm. And there's mountain bikers that blow by. I mean, it's pretty busy. But I hike in in the dark. To, I have a hunting spot where the, the deer are. And this happened to me last year. And it was very weird. I went in. It was not my imagination. This happened. I went into this spot. And it's on a ridge line, like probably 100 feet above. Just think like a crater. And everything is so steep there. If you can find a flat crater like that, the deer will eat at the bottom of it because the way the wash is and everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm at the ridge line. I stay up there. So my scent doesn't get. And it is a true crater, like a volcano. You know, I walk up to the top of the ridge line and then I peer over into like be the bottom of the volcano. And I'm sitting up there and everything around here is Sahel. So just think like three to four foot, spiky, sage, manzanita, like cactus. It's just, it's a nightmare to walk through this stuff. And it makes a shitload of noise because it's all dry, mm-hmm. like crackly. You, you can't walk without making tons of noise. So I go in early and I cut my path so that I don't make any noise. So I'm sitting up on this ridge line, pitch black, and it's a national park, so I'm sitting there, but I never see hunters probably because it's so close. But I'm sitting on the ridge line and it's quiet, and then I hear coming through. And my first instinct is it's a deer just coming this way. 
but then it's kind of blasting at me. It's coming right at me. You know, it's 20 yards. Now it's 10 yards. It's coming right at me. And that's a hunter. Like uh, somebody has the same spot as me. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to have this awkward, Hey bro, (laughs) you know, like I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for someone to come through that last man to need a bush, six foot tall dude with a bow in his hand. Oh, you're in this spot. Like I, I can't even tell you how certain I am. That's going to happen. Like there's no mistaking noise and Mm -hmm. it's coming at me. And then it gets right to the last bush and just dissipates and it's gone. Hmm. And it goes back to pin silent. It wasn't a Bigfoot or anything. It wasn't that. Right. It was just weirdest, creepiest. And I haven't even really told anyone about it. Mm-hmm. But it's been bothering me since it happened because it was very freaking weird. Just the, the sound of it coming at me. And I was. it wasn't like, oh, it was a, a squirrel or anything like that. It wasn't. It was, some, it was something coming up at me. And then it just ended before I saw the person. Yeah. Like I said, I was preparing myself. Oh, I'm going to have to tell this guy, hey, I got trail cameras down there. I've been here for six months. This is my spot. I was ready for that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, not to be like that guy, like, you know, I've heard that happen. You know, I've heard that happen. I've had, I've had stories of it and I've had similar things happen where, you know, more than once we've been in an area where we've been quote unquote bluff charged and nothing ever comes out. It sounds like a bulldozers coming through the woods straight at us at one time i remember chad literally grabbed me he's like something's coming like basically like pulled me back because this thing sounded like it was coming right out if we didn't know if it was a bear or what it sounded massive and nothing never comes out and then just the no it, you never hear it walk back either it's like well that was what i was gonna say you'd think something that made that much noise coming in like if it was my imagination mm-hmm. it wasn't my imagination but if it had to make that much noise coming in. Why didn't I hear it leave? Yeah. And then I left eventually. Why didn't I see it when I left? If right. it stopped, why wasn't it there when I left? Because I walked right over it when I left. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, and like, it's not like you can slip around. Like I'm telling you, everything, it's loud as hell. Like There's nowhere to go. It couldn't have just left without making noise. One of the ways I hunt is listening for deer. Mm-hmm. Because even they make noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I you know, again, it's one of those things, don't know what it is, but it's not in, terribly unusual. I mean, like I've experienced it more than yeah. once myself, and I've collected several stories of other people telling me similar stuff. In fact, if you listen to these Bigfoot shows, when people talk about bluff charts, almost 0% of the time, I mean, I'm sure there's exceptions, but I can't think of one time where somebody said, yeah, and it, it charged at me, and then it came through, and I saw it. And he's like, no, it charged at me. It's like, yeah, you know, they heard it charge at them, but they never saw it. Yeah. Foot, or was it something else, or what? Yeah, who knows? But... Yeah, it happens for sure. I'm not terribly surprised to hear that. Have you had encounters with Sasquatch when you go into the woods? I don't know what it is. There's been times where we've had something. I've never seen anything other than like brief flashes of stuff at that place we call it Site 7. Like just flash of something moving, kind of like a flash of movement, let's call it. Something gray and then something big and white another time. I'm hesitant to say it was Bigfoot. Another time I, I caught huge, big, white eye shine like the size of eyes the size of fists there in my flashlight and it, you could literally see it turn you could see whatever it was its head turned because it turned away from the light and then it turned back to look and you saw the eyes come back into the light again but i couldn't see anything else other than the eyes so i don't know what it was i'm hesitant to say it was bigfoot but you know the only thing i say is i've seen things that shouldn't have been there and things that are too big to be in the woods in york county pennsylvania or if we're over in michelle 
too big for that. I did see we were driving one time through Michaud Forest and I saw something humanoid squatted down by a tree. It was all black. And we were driving up this forest road and I made Chad back up. I was like, dude, there was something by that tree. And by the time we backed up, whatever it was, was gone. So again, I don't know what it was. Could have been a guy. Could have been a dude. If it was a dude, it was a big dude, but could have been a dude there. So I don't know. I'm, I'm hesitant to say what I see until, until I get that full on, you know, full body. It steps out on the trail in front of me. I'm not going to say I saw Bigfoot. Yeah, and I don't know if I, I want that. I don't know if I, I really don't know if I want that. My older sister was a camp counselor at a YMCA down in Hemet, which is like east of that Cleveland National Forest. Uh, really not, not far from the famous like Zubies thing mm-hmm. that happened down there in Alpine. Yeah. It's and, great story. Um, my, well, my whole, this is, she was a counselor down there, 87 to 89. And I remember she came home just terrified one time. And the story is, you know, she, they had a pay phone. And she was Mr. Boyfriend. She's on the payphone forever. And then she was walking. Everyone was gone. She had to walk all the way back to the stables in the dark uh, on one of those roads, you know, that separates where the campers stay and the horse stables, you know, probably 400 yards. And her story always was, she said, well, this mountain lion was growling at me and pacing me. Mm-hmm. And that was always her story. And I started listening to Southwest Chronicles, and I went to her not long ago. And I'm like, that was not a mountain lion. Like, that's not the way they operate. Yeah, they're quiet. They're in an area. Yeah. And also the terror. Mm-hmm. Like, she had always talked about the terror of it, mm-hmm. which is also kind of inappropriate. Yeah. But I don't it, think you're going to hear a mountain lion till it gets you, you know? It's not going to pace and growl at you. Yeah. I'm certain of that. It, it will show itself if it's trying to bluff you out. It will yeah. come onto the trail and, mm-hmm. and try to scare you. Mm-hmm. It's not going to hide off into the, the woods and sort of pace you and growl and scare the crap out of you. Like mm-hmm. At least like she was. I mean, she's still to this day when she talks about it, she gets terrified. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I, hey, look, I really appreciate you reaching out. Yeah, um, Keith, thank you. I'm a little so... embarrassed because it's not like I saw a ghost or anything. No, no. It's all sort of peripheral stuff. It's a different take on it that I'm really excited to get these different takes that it's sort of a first for us talking to somebody that you know has these experiences with these properties. But no, it's great. Thank you for sharing your stories, Keith. Yeah, you bet. And uh, big fan. So I, I hope you continue to do what you're doing. Can't wait till you have another book. Okay. We'll buy it. We'll read it. Hermits are coming hopefully this year. Hopefully this year. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tim. Take care, Tim. Have a great evening. All right, Allison. I didn't do this ink drawing. Are we allowed to sell pen and ink (laughs) that I didn't do? I'm allowed to. You're allowed to. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, it's definitely not my style, although I could see there are, there are elements that we share, this uh, artist and I. He's a fan of the line, as am I. Mm-hmm. Big fan of the line. I feel like as an artist, you can't get too far away from it, can you? People have tried, but I, I argue that uh, no, not really. <laughs> uh, this is an original pen and ink drawing from John Ayers, a York PA artist. Where'd you come upon this? Some little shop somewhere, I believe. Well, I'm glad you rescued it. It's interesting. You wonder how it gets there, you know? I th- The trajectory of photographs and people's possessions is like, it's a book in itself, really. Yeah, right? Like I, We often talk about 
with friends, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the show, the Howard Pyle dioramas we found randomly at an auction, which happened to have been made by like one of his great granddaughters or something. Mm -hmm. Grandsons, I think, maybe. I forget. Yeah. And we're at one point in a museum, really nicely done dioramas, like 3D versions of Howard Pyle pirate paintings. Very, very nicely done. And they're just in a local auction. Like, what were they? How did they get there? Yeah, who owned them that they end up there? Yeah, I, it's just so bizarre. Well, other things are so obvious. Like, I was looking at an auction the other day, and the furniture so reminded me of someone I used to know who used to be a customer of mine where I used to, where I previously worked. Mm-hmm. And then I looked, and it was from his estate. Yeah, <laughs> it's and but it took a while to filter into the auction, didn't it? Like he yeah, he died a little while ago, right? Yeah, I think he died last year. Yeah, it takes a while. You know, I think your uh, ashes are dispersed and settled long before your possessions. And <laughs> what are the chances that this furniture is haunted? I'd say upwards of eighty-three percent. Really? Mm-hmm. Whoever got it, they're they're in for an interesting <laughs> ghost. He was an interesting fella. But do you know anything about this artist for this pen and ink piece? I don't, and I've researched and researched and tried to find out about him because I wanted to. I mean, it, it's. To me, it must be sort of 30s-ish, late 30s-ish, I think. It has a very kind of deco look to me. Yeah, it's got that sort of coming out of Art Nouveau time. Yeah, into, 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 into Art Deco, yeah. And it's a, a pen and ink of a, a dancer, and I don't know if she's supposed to be of a particular ethnicity or yeah, da- or if she's if it's modeled off of, a, you know, like Isadora Duncan or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's very stylized, so it could be almost anyone, but it's so nicely done. And I love like that real actual pen and ink when someone's dipping. Yeah, this is definitely India ink. Yeah. It's, you get a darkness with that that you don't get with, with other pen and ink. Shall I grade it on his pen and ink skill? No. <laughs> <laughs> the whole world's not a Yelp review, actually. <laughs> Wise words. I was going to be nice. I was going to give him an A. Oh, well, that was, yeah, I think he should. He did a good job. That's very good. So that will be our curiosity of the week. We'll put an image of that in the show notes. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can purchase that and other curiosities of the week. Also at Etsy, you can find Strange Familiars t-shirts, the bandanas, which I mentioned previously, Strange Familiars stickers and patches. You can find my books. All of them are currently in stock. They're signed. They come signed people get them from Etsy. I have started to put Remark books up. As of this recording, there's there's one up there. I'm going to try to add more. So take a look for those. Those are basically original drawings I've made inside the books. So to kind of make them one of a kind. So the Remark books will be there. Paracord rosaries are in stock. I've made a few extra. So we've got quite a few in stock. We've got the, the full rosaries and the single decade rosaries, the small sort of pocket rosaries. We should be getting Flowered Path t-shirts restocked this week. They should be here already, but I don't know what UPS is doing. Can UPS, if someone out there is working at UPS, can they find our box of (laughs) t-shirts? They were supposed to be delivered Monday. They weren't delivered Monday. And then it said, you know, you do the thing where you look up the tracking. Yeah. It says, today by 7 p.m. And then today goes by. And then you look again, it'll say, tomorrow by 7 p.m. And then, and then tomorrow, eventually tomorrow goes like, by. Now it says, we'll let you know. <laughs> it's just like, we'll let you know. So apparently my box of T-shirts are in limbo. So someone out there <laughs> at UPS who's listening to Strange Familiars, find my T-shirts and get them over to us. When that happens, we'll have Flower Path T-shirts restocked. 
Also at Etsy, you got a number of photographs. We've got other curiosities of the week and more. Our Etsy shop name is Lost Grave, but if you type in Strange Familiars, our stuff will come up. Saw some folks, saw some listeners at the Black Rose Antique Stand the other day. Thank you. They bought a book. <laughs> signed it right there for them, so thank you. Thanks for listening, and, and uh, it was nice to see you. I saw someone pick up Bigfoot in Pennsylvania. I said, oh, I have that book. I said, oh, I wrote that book. So it was very nice. Very and I said, I got to go to the car because like, I didn't even bother washing my hair today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that why you peaced out? <laughs> yes. Oh, I didn't realize that. I was like, oh, my God, I didn't know I was going to have to talk to anybody. <laughs> so you weren't being rude. You were just sort of being... Uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I'm always uncomfortable, but... Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't realize, I didn't put that together. That's why you left. I thought you literally just wanted to go to the car. I didn't know you were running. Well, I did want to go to the car, but I also was like, oh, these people are going to think my hair is dirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure they, they did. They had no such thought. <laughs> but no, it was, it was super fun. It was very nice to meet you. Thank you. We have an antique stand in the Black Rose Antique Shop in Hanover, Pennsylvania. We have one in American Daydream in New York. Both of those places have my books if you want to pick them up in person. I put some paracord rosaries over in Hanover. We have a little bit more room there. So we can put stuff there that we can't always fit in American Daydream. I think we're moving the coffin to Hanover probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're looking for an odd fellow's ritual coffin. Of course. As I'm sure you do. Like who doesn't need a coffin? Everybody needs a coffin in their house. And the right? people I know that collect coffins, they always need more. Exactly. So that should be over at Black Rose. Chad's always adding wool and hatchets and knives and wool. Is there a way to say something? Like, is there like a plaid accessories? I Pla- plaid accessories and wool. I think sometimes he's, and then he'll add some more wool and then wool. And uh, yeah. Woolly? Ah, nice. <laughs> nice. And, you know, we got. A number of very cool and interesting things there. Some ghost books that aren't mine. We put some some other uh, paranormal type books over there as well. And some shiny things and some colorful. Oh things. yeah, yeah. You got uh, got a lot of glass, uranium glass, and regular glass, and every color. Glass. Pick a color. Yeah, a nice selection over there. So that's a Black Rose Antiques in Hanover. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back soon with more strange familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. You can get Stone Breath CDs and vinyl. Uh, I don't I don't think we have any Stone Breath t-shirts right now, but some of my books are on Bandcamp as well. You can check that out over at Bandcamp, stonebreath.bandcamp.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. You can join the Strange Familiars gathering group there. We're on Instagram at strangefamiliars. And you can find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com.
to me. Like all the lilies in your way. Quietly walking like some lost saint. And lo, the blood falls at your feet. And colors wrap the waving wheel. inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.